Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And for joining us for the Institute for Supply Management's Report on Business Series for August of 2020, we're going to be talking with Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair for the Manufacturing Report on Business for the July numbers. And Lou, you and I are fascinated by how strong and good this looks, so it should be a uh, an upbeat show as last month was as well. Well, until I start going through the numbers with uh, Tim, and we'll see how up they really are. All kidding aside, <laughs> no, the numbers the numbers are looking good. I do have some questions though about uh, things like GDP and the ISM numbers and so on, but we'll get into that. Welcome aboard, Tim. Fiori. Yeah, good to be here, guys. Good to be here. You well, you've got a good report, Tim. Yeah. Yeah, so let me let me start off by saying that uh, you know based on you know, my analysis that the PMI generally fluctuates in about a 25-point band, the month of July versus June was about a 17% expansion. So, and that kind of fits well, you know, given the fact that June we were still kind of restarting everything. We we started the restart in mid to late May, and you know it wasn't just like a light switch. So. People had to return to work at the uh, the factory floor, all set, get comfortable with it, the amount of people, issues around absenteeism, obviously issues around people not wanting to come in, issues with incentives for them to stay home, especially in the lower labor cost level that was um, you know offset by enhanced unemployment. So the month of July was kind of like a full month of the recovery period here. And I think we did really well. As I said, 17% growth over June. I mean, new order numbers, production numbers above 60, um, definitely not expected on my part. So uh, it's, it's actually a, it's a really good story, and I think it's, uh, you know, you guys know, and you, you've been following this for a long time, the PMI tends to indicate that we're heading into a recession, and it tends to indicate that we're coming out of a recession. And if you follow the assumption that two straight quarters of uh, declining GDP growth equals a recession, we've been in one now for six months, and it's now – maybe month seven, maybe not. But, you know, we had an average PMI for the last 12 months of 48.6. We had a couple of periods in those 12 months where we just barely broke 50. I mean, you could spit and fall over the cliff to a 49-something. So we've had two months now of, of uh, better than 52 performance, this, this, month, this month at 54. And, you know, I think, I think we've got a trend on this. I don't see any reason why we would see this thing go back below a 50. Um, the fact that there's no states that are going to shut down, that even counties aren't going to totally shut down like, uh, like, like we did in April and May, indicate that manufacturers are just going to have to kind of hunker through everything and, and deal with the uncertainty and are getting better at it. Uh, one thing that I, I found interesting, uh, uh, Tim, was that of the 18 industries, uh, the three that went down, was uh, transportation equipment, machinery, and fabricated metal products, which is, you know, pretty much the hardcore manufacturing sectors within your 18. Uh, is that not true? Well, they're, uh, yeah, they're, one, they're, they're ones that we know and love. Right. So, uh, okay, so let me talk to them. Let me talk to them. So, 
Look, transportation and fabricated metal products, there are two of the big six. Transportation right. is number three. Fabricated metal products is number six. Uh, they contracted very weakly, very weakly. I mean, very close, close enough to, to you can see them getting over 50 in the short term, which has been the best performance for both of them in quite some time, uh, especially on the, on the transportation equipment level. They haven't performed this strongly since May of 19. So, uh, and, and like I said, both of them are very close, very close to a break even. So not that concerned about it. That's actually positive for the future. Oh, that's good news. I'm glad I asked you the question because uh, a lot of our people are, you know, the metal manufacturing types. Uh, so that's good yeah. to hear that uh, next month we may see even a bigger upward movement. Yeah, I mean, machinery, uh, machinery, I think, is our number seven, if I recall. So uh, it's right, it's right, you know, it's right near number six. I think it's, I think they're about six or seven percent of manufacturing GDP. So it's a, it's, and I like to watch it too, because there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes into machinery, but you know, on, on the transportation equipment side, you know, the employment levels are contracting pretty strongly. New order levels were uh, an expansion territory on a, a relatively strong basis. Production was expanding, you know, moderately strong. Uh, backlog is still weak, but not as weak as it has been. Uh, customer inventories are now down in the about right to too low level, and they haven't been there in a uh, very long, since June of 19. So, so overall, you know, and, and you know, with the transportation equipment sector, the aerospace business is going to be hurting for a long time, and they're probably the ones that are shedding the people and, and actually dragging down the transportation number to some extent. Right. What number is transportation equipment? Do, do you have that? I'm sorry? No, machinery is number seven. Fabricated metals is number six. What is transportation equipment? Do you remember? Three. Yeah, it's number three. Number three. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. It's about 14% of uh, manufacturing GDP. You know, it's, it's aerospace, it's cars, it's trucks, it's barges, it's rail cars. But, you know, by far it's the first three. It's, uh, it's an aircraft, it's automotive, and it's uh, trucks. Trucks and, yeah, stuff like that. The airline stuck for a long time. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not going to say that's mortally wounded, but it's definitely wounded and leaving the battlefield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes without saying. Um, Tim, how Tim, how is manufacturers, how are manufacturers feeling? You look at hundreds of comments and you pick out uh, ten or a dozen that end up in the report. In the overall, based on what you've read, how are manufacturers feeling dealing with all this uncertainty? Well, Tim, I look at thousands of comments. It's 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 in some respects it's not overwhelming, but it's it's grueling. But I, I I look at certain sectors and I try to to look for certain trends depending on where we are. So overall, I first looked at general comments because they're they're about the general conditions, not a specific sub index. We we collect comments on every one of these indexes. So the the feeling this month, and I, the first thing I look at is sentiment. The feeling this month is two to one positive to cautious. That's up from last month's 1.2 to 1, and it's the strongest sentiment that we've had since January, which is good. And December of last year, the sentiment wasn't so good. So we rebounded in January, and, uh, and then we fell off a cliff there with the virus kind of spreading across the, the, uh, the world, and, and now we're back in pretty significant expansion territory. Uh, the comments in the general section around what is driving 
their, their, their top of mind issue was more around uh, consistent demand to their companies. So I, I try to look for are there comments related to their company's uh, book of business or is it related to their suppliers having difficulty in delivering? And remember, we're getting all this from people on the front line of the supply chain, so they, they would tend to, to broadly think first about how their suppliers are performing, uh, assuming that the, business, the book of business at their company is strong. Uh, this month, there was quite a few comments that it was overwhelming uh, book of business kind of comments, both from a positive standpoint and, a, and maybe a cautious standpoint, a little concerned about the future. So I didn't break it any further than that. I probably should have about the positive uh, book of business versus the, the concern book of business. So, but overall, the community is feeling much better this month than it was last, and I think it's a good representation for the month of July. I don't, I don't think there was a lot of change in July that would measurably impact the PMI. I, I know we've seen case counts go up. I know, you know we've seen lots of information about counties and states having difficulty on reopening, slowing things down. But I, I don't think anybody believes that any any state is going to return to the April-May time frame. We're, we are learning, and we'll have to continue to learn to live with this. Uh, for instance, when, you know, when we started to reopen in May, talk about reopening in May, late April-May, uh, there was talk about if there's a positive case in the facility, everybody goes home, they're two days out, there's an uh, there's a overnight cleaning, and then everybody comes back. We actually saw some of that on the automotive side. When the automotive companies started to come back, there was uh, a two- or three-day shutdown. That's not happening anymore. Uh, what's happening now is uh, the contact tracing within the company itself has gotten mature enough that if there is a case in the facility, and there are more of them, you, know, you, see, it, you see it in the news about the general population, it's the, same thing in, it's the same thing in industry. There are more cases, but we're able to localize it better, shut down the affected area, uh, you know, deep clean it, and, you know, four to six hours later, we're up and running. And, and you know, so that's, that's agility, and it's flexibility, and it's learning to deal with an issue that is not going to go away inside of 12 months. So, you know, I think you're, you're seeing some of that here probably in July, and I think you'll see more of that in, uh, in August, although, you know, typically August is a pretty weak, weak manufacturing period, and, and July is too primarily because of vacations, but, you know, people, people don't know where to go on vacation anymore, right? You can't, you can't just go on vacation anymore. So the, the whole vacation period is kind of odd because there's no place to really go. Because this morning I got two uh, vacation requests from two of my employees. They've been working from home remotely for the last months. <laughs> so I got a big kick out of that. Uh, so what are they going to do? They're going to stay home and not work, right? I mean, that's that's just that, they're going to sit out in their backyard. I, I've got the yeah, same issue. Right. It's like, okay, I'm going to go on vacation. <laughs> what am I going to do? Not work? I mean, what I just, should I just shut my brain off and? <laughs> I right. I mean, there there's some humorous aspects to this pandemic. That being one of them, maybe the only one. But that said, uh, I do I do have a question for you, and I don't know if you you are. Uh, qualified to answer it or if it's just out of your wheelhouse and that is the the GDP that came out last week with a nine and a half percent drop for the month and a thirty two and a half percent annualized number for the year uh, how does that relate to the ISM number 
that has gone up and the GDP has gone down. Can you explain that to our listeners about how each one of them are working at the opposite ends of the pole? Yeah, well, not really. I mean, the PMI has long known been known to be an indicator of what's happening in the global in the in the U.S. Uh, economy. So, right, we right. we had an average of forty eight point six PMI for the last twelve months, and during that last twelve months, I mean, we were definitely slowing down before the virus hit, primarily driven by trade issues, and you know the constant right. push and pull on on all of that. We you know we saw that coming. We had a couple of those months that were, you know, above 50, but below 51. So you can almost argue that they were contracting too. So, you know, we tend to indicate where the economy is going. So we had indicated that we were headed for recession in spite of the virus. The virus has kind of made everything worse and we're now coming out. So if you look at it, GDP, U.S. GDP, the first numbers for Q2 came out. The final numbers, I think, for Q1 came out. We're, we're definitely in, in a recession if you say that two quarters of negative GDP growth equals a recession. So, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. If anybody thinks that a, 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 the Q2 was not a recessionary period of crazy, I mean, we, we spent what, two or three trillion just trying to keep the economy rolling. So, right. we're definitely in a recessionary period and we're coming out of it. I mean, that's what the PMI is saying. We're, we're coming out of it. And we've had two months of moderate growth. I mean, the month of June. 2.6, okay, not real strong, but clearly not 50.2 or 50.3. Clearly, I mean, 10, that 2.6 points represents about 10% growth from the prior month of May, which was a weak month, but was stronger than April. So in this month now, we're about 17% stronger than the month of June. If you make the assumption that the PMI generally moves in a 25-point range under normal conditions. So I think the PMI, the ISM PMI, is indicating that we're coming out of a recession. And Q3, Q4 will be a period of growth. You know, the question is going to be, what does that growth look like? Well, I think the title for the article, we're coming out of it. Quote, Tim. That's a good title. We're coming out of it. Well, yeah, I think the expansion continues. I mean, and manufacturing yep. tends to indicate where the economy is going. And uh, we, we kind of let it in, although it, we were kicked over the cliff there with the virus. I think we would have probably gotten there anyway in Q1 or probably into Q2 with the, with the, you know, with the complexity of doing global business. And, and now we're coming out. So, you know, I, I look at these numbers, and on the, the demand side, everything is aligned really well. Every one of the four indexes I watch that makes up the demand side we're all in an expansion territory or positive. So new orders at 61, really good, higher than expectations. New export orders at 50.4, okay, we're not declining. We're finally expanding again after many months of decline. Uh, we had uh, customer inventories at 41.6, you know, clearly too low, clearly too low, which is good for the future. And you had backlog at 51.8. We finally got the backlog back into a positive territory. So, you know, the, the demand side was, was pretty robust in the month of July. Consumption side at uh, production and employment, 62.1 on production, strong number, you know, exceeding expectations. Employment at 44.3, better than uh, the month of June, still contracting, no surprise. Employment is always last to hire, you know, first last to fire. It's just the way it is. It's, it's going to follow everything else and, 
we can talk more about employment later on the show. And then on the input side, uh, supplier deliveries still uh, still slowing, but not as bad. So, uh, so in other words, suppliers are pro- are delivering easier than they were in the prior month, and definitely easier than they were in the May and April timeframe when the number was at the 68 76 level. And then you know, inventory is at 47. Concern about the future still on demand. Uh, supply managers making sure they're not receiving too much inventory. Nobody, and, you know, conserving working capital for sure. Uh, and, and, and to some extent, suppliers having difficulty in delivering everything that they need to in order to convert that into product. So if you look at those numbers, I got to 54.2. The, you know, the ones that kind of jump at you are the, are the new orders in production. But what's going to happen to the others? So I'm trying to do a forecast forward for August. I mean, I could see new orders in production both at 57, you know, for the, for the month of August, uh, seasonally adjusted, uh, you know, be, be, because we're learning how to deal with this better. And the demand was there, so there's business to, to consummate. I can see the new the employment number slowing its contraction again, but not by a lot, you know, not by a lot. And In fact, it, it could get worse, but for talking purposes, 45, let's talk 45. The supplier delivery number, 55.8, I can see that getting worse uh, as demand is, is pulling on a very weak supply chain that is still struggling with local issues. Uh, and there are, there are a lot more suppliers than there are company panelist respondents. So it's like a magnification glass, right? For every panelist, that company probably has at least 50 suppliers. So, and any one of them can tip the balance of, uh, of their being able to deliver at any given point in time. So I think that number is going to, probably go up a little bit. And I think inventories is going to settle in at around 50 again uh, in the month of August. So if you sum them all up, divide them by five, you're looking at a 53 PMI for August. And, and I think that's very well achievable and appropriate for the situation. Well, since uh, uh, All Metals and Forge Group has been following the ISM now for about, I don't know, 30, 40 years, and we're always just about right on with you i'm excited about august as as well as this month that we did see ourselves an uptick uh, a minor uptick but i I'm, we have lots of promises and i think that uh i think the people out and uh, uh you know on the ground are going to feel more comfortable about making decisions on signing signing the document signing the orders Let's get this thing going. How does uh, how how do you feel the uh, upcoming election is going to have an effect on all of this going a couple of months forward? Well, so you know, the, 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 there's five big headwinds I see us facing, and uh, e- each one is significant in their own right. Right. So the first one is the global virus, uh, and that's pretty much outside the U.S. I think. The, the globe, except for Latin America, has dealt with this thing pretty well. I think the Asian uh, economic area is uh, is solid. I mean, it's not expanding like it used to, but it's it's contained things. So it has a little bit more precision and exactitude in what it needs to do. I think Europe uh, has done a good job in containing its issue, too. So the emotional and the people issues aren't as prevalent there as they are here. And I think moderate to longer term, what's probably happening in Europe is going to bode well for the European economy as well as the global economy compared to the U.S. So the global virus is probably in a decent position. 
The U.S. virus is not in a good position. Uh, we'll be able to deal with it, but it's going to be emotional. It's going to be difficult from a human standpoint. And, you know, we're, there's going to be a ton of blocking and tackling just to maintain a decent level of economic activity, which, I, as I said, will, I believe will continue to expand, but not at really strong rates. We have the, uh, we have the trade issues that are going to resurface here during the election period. And I think the WTO is going to make a decision on Airbus soon, and that's going to precipitate a response by the U.S. on Europe, which won't be positive for either, either economies. Uh, and, but I, and I think the trade issues with China will continue to and even be more uh, obvious and, uh, and out in the open as we get close to the election. We got the geopolitical issue with China, which is going to outlast the virus. It's going to outlast the election. It's going to outlast the virus. There, there are things that have, be, that have become evident here that are not going to go away with somebody changing an office. And then ultimately we have the election, and it's, it's, a, it's a free-for-all. I, I can't. I don't know how to describe it any better than that. I'm, I have no idea what's going to happen. Uh, I think anything is possible, even the worst things imaginable. So, <laughs> I, I think so, so. So there's our five headwinds, and and they're all significant, and they all represent uncertainty. I, I think all of those are frozen investment, and you won't see investment really uh, occur again until probably Q1 of 2021, maybe even longer. Uh, you know, in the meantime, we kind of hunker through it all. Uh, Tim, I just want to take a look at one equation that I know uh, you look at. Uh, your predecessor, Brad Holcomb, who was with us for many years, looked at Norbert, or his predecessor looked at it, and that was the new orders minus inventories, which if it was above five signaled expansion, and today it sits at 14.5. A high number. Have you seen it higher? Yeah, probably. Well, we might have seen it higher. I mean, we had new order numbers at the 63-64 level back in 2018, right? Uh, and inventories have been a relatively stable number for a long time. I I don't think I've seen an inventory number above 51. So uh-huh. that's, a, you know, that's a high level for sure. I mean, but, but keep in mind, I don't think that new order number is a – I don't think you can take that 61.5 and, and, and based on the economic conditions, count on that staying the same going forward. I, I think that new order number and a production number is a net result of where we were in June. And like I, like I said, I think the number is probably closer to 57 you know, in the August time frame. And, and, you know, 55 to 57 for the next three months would be a pretty good number. Yes, I'll no take doubt. it. Yeah, I'll take it. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, let's talk a little bit about the industry sector. So, you know, I, I track the top six; they make up seventy percent of manufacturing GDP. I have a particular eye on the top four. You know, we've already talked a little bit about fabricated metal products and sanitation equipment, but I mean, computer electronics, our number one industry sector, came in number three this month, still expanding and expanding respectively. So that's a good sign. But that's the number one industry sector, and that drives a lot of things. Uh, all the sub-index numbers within there were uh, positive uh, in, in all respects except for backlog. It was the first time the backlog had actually contracted at that level since, uh, since the beginning of the virus. So I'd like to see the computer electronics sector come back up to be number one, number two, as they were during most of the expansion cycle that started in 2016 and ended uh, 
ended about a year ago. Chemical Products was uh, our number two performer this month at a, at, a, uh, at, a, at a moderate to strong expansion level. Uh, employment was down, contracting relatively heavily. Uh, inventories dropping, which is good. Customer inventories dropping, which is good. Everything else was very positive in that, that sector. And I, I like that one because that's an export-driven uh, industry sector and with uh, low energy costs and uh, currency headwinds. So I'd like to see that one continue. Uh, we already talked about transportation equipment. Uh, could easily see an expansion going into August. And on the food and beverage, our number one industry sector, uh, it performed the strongest that it's performed since March of this year. And it was uh, hitting on all cylinders pretty much. Customer inventories are very low. Uh, export orders were kind of flat, but uh, but very positive. So there's a lot of, and, and you know, like I said, of all the six, there were two that contracted, but they contracted very, very weakly. So industry, all the industry sectors look good for the, for the month. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Tim, uh, if there's anything else you want to add to this as we wrap it up, we greatly appreciate you coming on and going into detail in this report. And we have a website uh, for this report, but we don't have it. You guys have it. ismworld.org is where they can now find this information. But uh, here's a snapshot as we close it up, Tim. Yeah, so, I mean, Prices remain in expansion. That's a healthy thing. Uh, good supplier-buyer kind of tension there. They're not out of sight, so they're they're manageable and they're predictable. And they could, you know, that's that's a good thing. Driven primarily by foundational products, aluminum, copper. The copper market seems to be recovering a little bit, which is positive for China. You know, and and if it's positive for China, it kind of helps out the whole global economy. Uh, initial jobless claims are still at relatively high levels, and this is the first. Last week was the first time we actually had a, uh, a we had a negative growth, meaning that we had uh, we ended up the we ended up the prior week period with more people on unemployment than the week before, which hopefully won't last, but that one remains to be seen. The, the, I think the uh, the employment market here is is probably the biggest area of concern for most people who plan this stuff out. Consumer confidence took a little bit of a hit in July, but that's primarily around the virus reopening issues. And, and like I said, I think we're, we've learned to deal with them. And we, we are dealing with them. Retail sales were up in the month of uh, June and I think continuing into July uh, and for the, for the second or third straight month. Global PC shipments were good in Q2. So, you know, I, I think overall we're in a pretty good place here uh, if you ignore the human side of this thing. And I'm, I think we're learning how to deal with that. And I think factories are learning how to accommodate that we're now we've all been working from home now for you know it's coming on five months and and you know no nobody's kind of fallen off a cliff on that which is good the fed balance sheet is just pretty high 6.9 trillion uh in july uh but only up about 300 billion from uh, the prior month so they've kind of actually it's, it's up about 300 billion from uh from the may time frame so that's pretty good. That means they're not really, you know, pumping a whole bunch more money in, in the last two or three months. But, you know, the, the stimulus here that the, or the, the next wave of whatever needs to happen to keep us kind of getting through this thing, uh, I don't think it's been settled yet. And, and that's going to play probably very heavily on the markets. 
And we'll see, you know, without that money coming into the economy, you know, that probably won't bode well for uh, for the economy either. But and, and you know, we have to deal with, with deficits, but that's an issue to be dealt with sometime in the future. New home sales were pretty good in June. Uh, you know, you know, better I think than expected. Uh, so you know, overall, I think we had a good report here, better than I would have expected. But if I do some, you know, back of the the, the napkin kind of uh, adjustments here for August, you know, I don't see us being that far off of this thing. That you know, the, the ind- independent numbers will change, but overall, we'll probably be in a 52-53 region, which is good, and that's consistent with the PMI's role of indicating where the economy is going. Well, this is all uh, good stuff. And uh, we certainly appreciate your input on it. Uh, we're actually, you're probably going to get a couple of extra points towards your yellow jacket. Uh, <laughs> it's about time. Well, you know, <laughs> it, it takes time. With an average PMI of 48.6 for 12 months, I get it. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, thanks again. And we appreciate that you joining us. I know you've got to run to uh, other matters. So, Again, thanks for being with us and going into depth on this report because the importance is in the details on this one as we move forward month by month. Glad to help out, guys. Look forward to speaking with you in September uh, and and the positive report that will come out of the month of August. Stay Excellent. Out. We need to. All right. Thanks, guys. And, Take care. All right. Bye, bye for bye. now. And we've been speaking with Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair for the Institute for Supply Management's Manufacturing Report on Business. We do that series here every month on Manufacturing Talk Radio. And you can find this show and all of our other shows at mfgtalkradio.com or go to jacketmediaco.com where you'll also find the other shows that we produce, uh, Women in Manufacturing, the WAM podcast. Um, We do Hazard Girls about Females in Unusual Roles. Uh, Where's Willie? Uh, Willie Miller travels around the country and is on the production floor, so he reports from the production floor and gets that point of view across. Uh, Cliff Waldman, who's an economist and does a terrific job on what's happening in manufacturing and the economy, and full-time with Amy Nicholas, which is about the work-life balance of females in the workforce, so a lot of great information. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.